So when you walk around in a clerical collar, you often get odd questions from strangers. <laughs> and I once had a guy come up to me and say, do you know what my favorite part of the Bible is? And I thought, incarnation, resurrection, creation story, but I had to genuinely answer, no, I do not know what your favorite part of the Bible is. And he said, my favorite part of the Bible is the 10 bridesmaids. <laughs> and I had to stop and think, the what? <laughs> the 10, oh, the ones, okay, yeah, right, the lamps, the trimming the lamps. And he said, you know, in the Bible, Jesus is always talking about compassion this and generosity that. And, you know, sometimes even Jesus says, you just got to draw a line. And what you worked for is yours, and it's yours to enjoy, and nobody else deserves it. And I thought, you know, I hate to ruin someone's favorite passage of Scripture, <laughs> but that is not what this parable is about. But it does beg the question, then what is this parable about? You have these five wise bridesmaids who have these flasks of oil, these five foolish bridesmaids who have neglected to bring flasks. They say, won't you share with us? And they say, absolutely not. There won't be enough. It's not enough to go around. I'm sorry. Go to the store. So if you read ancient writers on this, they'll talk a lot about what oil means. So for us, olive oil is primarily a salad condiment. You know, it's not this like deeply rich theological thing. But in the ancient world, oil was not just a food. So oil was the balm that would be used when your skin is parched and dry from heat and dust. It's what was administered to you in the Roman baths. It was an essential part of ancient medicine. So in the story of the Good Samaritan, the Samaritan commands that oil be put on the man's wounds. It's this healing, soothing, cooling stuff, this balm. Oil, as we see in this parable, is also what provides light, illumination. It is the fuel for bringing light to darkness. So it's this really rich material. If you look at early Christian writers from France, like Hilary of Poitiers, to North Africa, like Augustine of Hippo, to writers in Jerusalem, like Cyril, to writers in Syria, they all basically make one thing of the oil in this passage. They play on this idea that oil, this soothing, cooling, illuminating, rich balm, is a homonym, so eleo in Greek, is a homonym for eleo, as in kyrie eleison, mercy. So in Greek, the word for oil and the word for mercy sound exactly the same. So for all of these church fathers, what is in the flasks is mercy. So what does that mean? When we think about mercy, we think about a judge who says, you know, I know that you are guilty, but I'm not going to give you five years. I'm just going to give you parole. I'm going to be merciful. Or two gladiators fighting, and one falls to the ground, and the other has his sword to his throat and says, now beg for mercy. And it's this kind of brutish idea of someone who has total power only exercising partial power to show who's boss. And that has nothing to do with the biblical idea of mercy. So mercy in the Bible has much more to do with this Hebrew idea of hesed, the loving kindness of God, with agape, the selfless love of God. And when the fathers talk about mercy, they're always talking in terms of oil. 
in terms of the tangible, healing, renewing, refreshing love and grace and goodness of God. So when we pray, Lord, have mercy, we're not saying, Lord, I deserve to be eternally tortured, but could you just give me like 20 years in purgatory? What we're praying for is the tangible, experiential, healing love of God, the grace of God, the goodness of God, the peace of God. So what is in these flasks for these fathers is the mercy of God. And it's not that these people received the mercy of God, the other five didn't, they stored it up. It's not about the reception of that mercy, which is poured out on everyone, it's about the sharing of that mercy, the conducting of that mercy to others. So the wise bridesmaids contained one that said, you know, at my college, or in my workplace, or in my family, or in my assisted living facility, there is this guy that drives me insane. He is always crotchety, always unpleasant, always going off on some tedious political tirade, and I have made a decision today that I'm gonna be unfailingly kind and loving to him. No matter how much he gets on my nerves, no matter how condescending he is, I'm gonna return mercy 24-7 every single time. And there's a little bit more oil in her flask. And there's another bridesmaid who says, there are hungry people in this city, and I don't have a lot of resources, but you know what? I'm gonna share what I've got. I'm gonna do great patrol, I'm going to volunteer at a food pantry. I'm just going to give somebody a sandwich. And there's a little bit more mercy in her flask. And little by little, we store up this mercy. And this is not so that God will like us and let us into heaven. It's not what it's about at all. It's instead so that we can live out heaven here and now. We can experience heaven here and now. One of the fathers of the church said that when we are raised... On the day of the resurrection, which we heard about in our reading from 2 Thessalonians, when we are raised, when there is flesh back on our bones, when we are standing in our bodies again, we will not be naked. But instead of wearing suits and dresses, we will be clothed with the actions of our lives. We will be clothed either with selfishness, unkindness, bitterness, or we will be clothed with mercy. And then, we will spontaneously burst into flame. Like the burning bush, we will not be consumed, but the flame will be the glory of God, the way in which we eternally worship God. And the fuel for that will be the mercy we showed in our lives. It was all about mercy. You can't share the mercy, you can't obtain more mercy in the life to come, not because God is stingy or because the saints are stingy or whatever, but because there's no one to give a sandwich to. There's no one whose day you can improve. Life is absolutely perfect in the presence of God. So it's in this life that we store up that mercy. But it can be tough to be unfailingly nice to someone who is unfailingly grumpy and rude to you. It can be tough to share what you have. A life of mercy is a real challenge. And so the church has given us this special tool. It's called... A pledge card. <laughs> because when you take a big chunk of your income, 
when I take a big chunk of my income, money that I could be saving up for my kid's college, I could be buying a new car with, whatever, and I say, I'm just gonna give this away to God, it creates this little wedge for mercy in my life. And the weird thing is, the more generous I am with my money, the more generous I am with my time, the more generous I am with my patience, the more of it there is in my life. The more and more the bottle fills up and the more and more I have to give away. So every year I'm so grateful for this challenge of making my pledge to God. So today is our pledge in gathering. You can place your pledge card in the plate if you haven't turned it in already. If you need some more time to pray over it, that is totally wonderful and a blessing. But I hope that you'll join me during this time of thinking about what is it that's going to increase my mercy that's going to increase my gratitude, that's going to make more space for that peace and joy in my life that I can pass along to others. Amen.